is nothing better than seeing people's lives transformed by Jesus. There's nothing better than knowing and believing and even confirming with them. Nobody's asking you to live a perfect life now. Nobody's saying you can't mess up because guess what? You're going to mess up. We might as well settle it right here, right now. You might as well tell yourself you're not giving yourself an excuse to sin, but you're allowing grace to work in your life. Because of the faithfulness of the Father, the knowing that we know that we know that God's love is bigger than us. And that his blood that he shed that we talked about for the last several weeks of what, what he went through, what's gone on, was sufficient before I was ever conceived in my mother's womb. God knew before I was ever conceived in my mother's womb that I was going to make some pieces of stupid. God knew I was going to mess up. But he still said, you know what? I'm going to go die and be raised again way before Jeremy's ever conceived. Because I know at some point he's going to mess up. And I'm making a path. I'm making a path through the desert. I'm bringing water to a dry land. That's his, that's his word to you. You can rest in the assurance that it's not a, a free pass to say, you know what, I can sin and I can come right back. It's knowing that, God, I'm going to seek your face, but I know I'm going to miss it. I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to stub my toe. I know that the, the things in my head are going to explode. I know that my kids are going to push that last button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That split second of you going, why did we have kids? They're nothing but a pain. And then they get all sweet. And then you forget. It's kind of like a, a mother that has a, a baby and right after you say, are you ready for another one? She says, no, never again. I'm never doing that again. That was the most horrific pain I've ever experienced. Then, within a year to two years, most of the time, somehow they forget. I just want another child. I just want another baby. It was worth it. It was worth it. Sometimes, we have to know that God's love is sufficient for you before you came to salvation and after you came to salvation. His love is sufficient for you. But we've been talking about steps the last few weeks. So we're going to kind of do a quick refresher out of Luke 9.51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus, there's that word again, resolutely. Did anybody use that this week? Come on now, I told you, you've got to use that word resolutely in your, in your vocabulary this week. Set out for Jerusalem. What does that mean? He was put in stone. His mind was determined. I am resolutely, I am determined to know where I'm going. I'm heading for Jerusalem. And so often we realize and we think that when he said he was heading for Jerusalem, four hours later he was eating with his disciples. Two hours later he was being betrayed. Two and a half hours later he's on the cross. But when you go back and you begin to look at the story, this was a long time before he ever went in on Palm Sunday, as we would call it. Before he went in, his mind was set. He knew which direction he was going because his steps were ordered. 
He had a purpose and a plan. Well, how do I know that? Remember, we talked about in Luke 10.1, the Lord now chose 70 and two other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. So he sent them out. It wasn't just one of those things where he said, all right, you guys, go figure out where you're going. He sent them out saying, I want you to go this direction. I want you to go this direction. I want you to go this direction. Why? Because he already knew that his steps were going to lead him to those directions, to those areas, to those cities. We, he already knew that. We, we talked about, you know, we, we, on Palm Sunday, we talked about how they went in and they found the donkey and the baby donkey. And, and in those days, that would be like asking you to borrow your car. Hey, can I borrow your prized possession? Can I, can I borrow it? And you're like, who are you? Why would you want to borrow my car? Because donkeys were used to carry people and to work. But yet, they went in, saw them, and said, the master has need of them. Well, if you were like us, and you've never met that person before, and you said the master has need of them, you're going to go, well, who is this master? Who are you talking about? I truly believe that in the cities that they sent the 72 into to prepare a way somehow along the path when the disciples came to the man with the donkeys he said the master has need of them he went oh he does well here take them because he'd already been acquainted with who the master was because the lord's steps were ordered he sent the 70 out to cities that he knew he was going to go to so then we get over here to luke 22 then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. So here we are. He's, it's, it's Passover time. They've already they've eaten. And most of the time when they got done with that, how many on Thanksgiving when you, you've had the full spread or you finally hit the third house that you have to hit in one day? There was a season in our lives that Mandy and I, we had three Thanksgivings we, had, we made a, an attempt to go to. The very first year I did that, I messed up royally. The first one was at 12, the second was at 2, and the third was at 5. I got there, I was starving. It was noon, I was starving to death. So guess what I did? I did what everybody else does. I filled the plate to overflowing proportions. And thought, you know what, I'll be good. 2 o'clock's a long time away. But when you eat that much food, 2 o'clock is not that far away. Then you go, especially as the new person in the house, they're just getting to know you. Everybody wants you to try their dish. Everybody wants you to try their food. So at house number two, you can't say no. i got to make a good first impression. It's her family. So guess what? I got another plate full of food that overflowed the bounds. You know, at Thanksgiving, you don't get normal round plates. You get the trays. I don't know why people go and buy the trays. We'd be a lot better off if we would give everybody pie plates. And then you could, you could really, truly not be so stuffed. So by the 5 o'clock event, which was at my parents' house, and they're like, here, there's all this food, eat. I can't even breathe. I can't move. There's things happening in my body that I don't even know what's going on. I just want to sleep. But yet they had this feast. And then the master said, hey, let's go for a walk. Are you kidding me? 
those couches over there look great. You just fed us. We just ate. I just want to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to pass out and allow the food to do whatever it does in there. But he said, let's go for a walk. And so they go. And he said, then, then he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He gave them a direction. That same direction's for you. He says, pray that you don't give in to temptation. How do you, when you make this declaration, and you say, you know what? Outwardly, I'm dead with Christ. I'm a new creation. How do you change? You pray that you will not give in to temptation. It's not an overnight change. You don't come out of the water. There can be things that happen. And there can be weights that are gone. But it doesn't mean the tempter, the temptation will go away overnight. There's an aspect of us when we learn to walk, when we learn to do things, we have to do it repetitive. When you learn to ride a bike, you get on it with training wheels. And you learn to balance. And then all of a sudden you realize that the training wheels have kind of come up and now you're doing this number as you roll and you don't know how to, what's going to happen and what's going on, but you continue to move. Then all of a sudden you say, man, I, I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. Take the training wheels off. Why? Because through the process, you've learned how to stabilize yourself. It's the same thing with temptation. How do you stabilize yourself? You go and you pray to Jesus. And you say, Lord, help me today to resist temptation. To say no to the enemy. Help me today. And there's times in our lives where it's minute by minute. The tempter comes. And he says, oh, you prayed that? You can't stand that way. So it comes at you again. And you have to stop. And you have to say, Jesus, help me. It's learning how to lift that spiritual weight. It's learning how to gain that muscle. And I promise you, just like at the gym, when the first time you go to the gym, and you pump iron, and you look in the mirror and you go, nothing's changed. Nothing's happened. But when you continue to do that over days, over weeks, and you look in the mirror, then you start going, there's something there that I've never seen before. What, what's happening? It's being repetitive. It's staying in a habit, in an attitude that, you know what? I'm tired today. I'm hungry today. I don't feel like it today, but I'm going to keep on doing it. Because there's times when you get up, when you finally are here, and the tempter comes, and he says, whatever it is. And you go, that would be nice. Man, that would help with my, my anxiety right now. That might help with my stress right now. No, Lord, give me the strength. It's standing in that moment. It's knowing when we've done all that we can do, what do we do? We stand. We just continue to stand. I'm not moving. God, I'm not moving until you tell me to move. I'm going to stay here connected with you, in alignment with you. Because I know of your goodness. But he went, and he went to the Mount of Olives as usual. His steps were ordered. He went as usual up there to pray. So here's that map again. Here's that map. And I want you to see. I meant to bring along something this time, but we're, we're going to try it. So look at number 10 and 11 over here. Nope, I get too far away. 10 and 11 over on that side. 
There was a reason. Everything that he did was on purpose. So when he said, go walk, let's go, the upper room's down here. I can get to this one. So it wasn't just a, hey, let's walk down the stairs. Let's just go downstairs and it's just in the backyard. They went on a journey. Why? Why did Judas know where he was at? How did Judas know where to go and betray the master? Because it was his usual. It was his place of prayer. It was his place of connectivity. How many of us have ever been in that place of prayer, in that moment of connectivity with the Father? And all of a sudden, we start thinking about everything we need to get done. We start thinking about everybody that's offended us. We start thinking about everything. I need to go and give them the peace of my mind. I need to tell them. And you go, oh, wait, 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 what's going on here? I, I was talking to you, and now all of a sudden, why? Because the enemy knows where you're at. Just because you're in a moment of prayer, you're in your, your secret place, doesn't mean the enemy goes, hey, where'd he go? I lost him. What's going on? Even in your secret place, even in your moment of prayer, the enemy knows where you're at, but so does God. You gain strength. By standing, when all you can do is stand. You stand in the moment and you say, you know what, I passed that thought off. It's kind of like when you're praying and you get your shopping list of things you need to go buy. Oh man, the kids need milk. It always happens when you pray. It always happens when you get in that moment. So bring a journal in. Bring, Bring something in. Yes, write down what God said. But when you think of it, write it down. Think of your shopping list while you're praying and it pops in. Write that thought down. Why? Because it releases a thought process in your brain that's going, I got to remember, I got to remember, I got to remember, I got to remember, I got to remember. And so now, you know, your brain knows, hey, I wrote it down, so I know where it's at. And your brain will automatically begin to shift. And then you can focus, God, help me. Help me not to think about those things again. Help me to think about the goodness of you. It's those things. It's simple efforts that we step in and we do. Have we ever thought, I would have made a different decision if I would have known? Man, could we all write a book. Man, if I would have known the outcome for sure, I wouldn't have made that decision. If I'd have known she was that crazy, I would have never married her. (laughs) If I'd have known he was, yeah. Those type of things. But you know what? Jesus knew from the moment, from the manger to the grave, he knew what his destiny was. It wasn't one of those things of, ooh, I wish I would have gone this direction, then Judas wouldn't have found me. No, Judas knew where he was because he was at his place that was usual. Because his steps had order and they had a process. And he's telling you as believers, we can't live aimlessly. We can't just go, you know what, I got baptized today. I got baptized when I was, I don't even remember how old I was. I know where I was at, but I don't know how old I was. But now you just can't stop. It's a journey that we continue to seek the Father's face. It's a journey that we continue to make good decisions. Good decisions because every decision leads to a destination. It's the truth. Jesus' decisions that he decided to stay on path led him to the greatest decision that he could have ever made on our behalf. Gave us access to approach the Holy of Holies. Access to be in full relationship With God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To be in total communion, sold out to them. But he didn't ask you to live a perfect life. He did not ask you 
to live a perfect life. And then we talked about, have I told you all this so that you may have peace in me? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I kicked the world's butt. That's what he did. He did it for you. He came in. Everything that hell was lost the grip. He has no grip on you anymore. Other than what you allow him to have. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's in scripture. If it's in scripture, the enemy will come and tell you, you can't get rid of this. There's nothing that's going to change this. There's nothing in yourself. But through Jesus, addictions will break. Addictions will change. You can go to, to an addiction group. You can go to therapy all you want. And that will help things change. But you need Jesus. You need the real Jesus. You have to have an encounter with Jesus that doesn't just change the addiction from this to this. But that the addictions begin to fall. And we all have hang-ups. We all have addictions. We can look in this room and we can say, you know what? Nobody else has addictions like I do. But what you see a lot of times when you come to church is somebody's highlight reel. They walk in the door and you say, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And they walk away and they're broken inside. And you go, man, I wish I was like them. I wish I could, could play an instrument on stage like they do because I know they're all perfect. Well, I can tell you right now they're musicians. And they're as close to perfect as can be, but you know. But you have to realize the love that he has for you is to a point that he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. There's a process that he wants to bring you on that sometimes feels overwhelming. But it comes from a form of simply obeying what he said. Simply following in the steps of Jesus. So this morning, let's read out of Matthew 28. I'll start in verse 16. Now, we've walked... All these steps over the last weeks of watching and talking about people in the Old Testament. Talking about Samson. Talking about some of these guys and the things that happened to them that didn't seem right. But yet God in the end got the glory. They messed up. They weren't perfect people. Bible story characters aren't perfect people. Go read the Bible. Go read about how they lusted after somebody else's wife. Go read about how, how they killed people that they shouldn't have killed. Go, go read about things that they kept that they shouldn't have kept. And yet, even before Jesus died on the cross, and we go back to the Old Testament, and we look under the law, grace was all through that even. Because even in that, they made bad decisions. They made poor decisions. But even in that, God's faithfulness to them to see His will perfected through them. Was real. So here we are. Jesus has come back from the grave. And again. Easter productions have messed us up. From the sense of. We see Jesus in a production. Come back to life. Or we see him die. And then he's dead. And then he's alive again. And then before the lights go out. He's ascended into heaven and he's gone. But when you begin to look at scripture. Scripture. There was 40 days. 
40 days of things that had happened from the time he rose again to the time he ascended back. He did many great things and miracles. He appeared to the 11 and said, here I am. To the point that even Thomas said, you know what, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I don't believe that it's real. I'm not going to believe unless I can touch him. Unless I can put my fingers through his openings, the scars. And yet, even in that, God's faithfulness was real to him. And he said, here I am, Thomas. Look, here are the nail holes. But great for those that have faith and cannot see the Messiah come. But great, you today, when you simply believe, when you simply put your faith into action, and you say, you know what, God? I don't see you physically standing here but I'm believing what your word says. I'm believing what your word says. So let's look at verse 16. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Now remember, where he, had, where he was betrayed by Judas was his prayer closet, where he went as usual. That was in the same place, in the same area that he ascended back to heaven. In his moment of connectivity, in his area of connectivity, was where his physical body finally connected. And he was, he was moved to heaven, which blows my mind. I mean, when you really start thinking about the goodness of the Father, and you start thinking about Jesus, and in my mind, I'm here, I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden, I just see him going up. Talk about, talk about scaring you. Talk about going, what's going on here? But even in that, then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Are you serious? They're standing in the presence of Jesus. And they're still going, are you really alive? Did this really happen? I'm not sure this is really you. There's a green screen behind there, and it's just a, it's a computer animated image of you standing here because it's not really you. How much more do we today, do we doubt the faithfulness of God? But yet even the disciples, even these 11, these, these, these gentlemen that were here in this moment, even there in the room, they doubted. But guess what? The faithfulness of God was revealed to them. Because he didn't say, oh, I'm standing here and you doubt me? Get away from me, Satan. Get back. Even in his compassion in the moment, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority. He didn't say, I've given the ones that don't doubt me right now authority. I've given all authority. So even the doubters in the room have authority through Jesus Christ. Have you ever doubted in the room? Have you ever had a moment that you didn't realize or didn't think that God's power and God's authority were real? Because I have. If we're going to be real and we're sitting in here, we've all doubted. But if he was standing in the moment with the 11, and even some were doubting, and he said, I've given you all authority, he's doing the same thing for you. Because he's not a respecter of person. He's not a respecter of person. 
I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hmm, I feel like we just did that a little while ago. That's what we're doing. We're fulfilling what God told us to do. And he's telling us, I've given you all authority. Not just the preacher, not just staff, not just the worship team. I've given all. You have authority. You have power and you have dominion over this earth because of Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of you. He says, I've given you all. That's how we know when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the entire truckload of Jesus moves in on the inside of us. That's how we know because his word is true. And he tells us, I've given you all. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those few scriptures, that's everything you have need of to stand. He's given you all authority and all power. You can resist temptation. You can step out of your comfort zone. You can go into areas that make you uncomfortable and you can proclaim Jesus. You can go into areas that you don't want to go, but God said, go. And you can step in knowing that you have everything that you have need of. It comes through simple obedience, which has been our voice for 2021. Simply obeying what God says. I'm getting to a point that when God says we're going to do something, I don't want to go and say, okay, God, are you really sure? Are you really sure you know what you're talking about? If he says go, I want to jump. I want to jump because I know that as we're growing in our knowing, that when we hear Jesus, we are learning his voice. We're knowing the voice of the Father. We're knowing the voice of the enemy. And we're learning as individuals that we can trust him. He's faithful to us. He's faithful to us. So over the last few years, it actually came back from your first L.A. Dream Center trip, when Brandon and Brittany went three years ago, I think two years ago, something like that, with COVID last year, it's messed up all my, my rhythms, but they came back and they said, we have got to do something. It's time that we just stop just being the church within the four walls of our building, coming on a Wednesday night, coming on a Sunday morning and saying, I did my good thing. And so we've done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that made us uncomfortable, When we were in the other building, we simply just went out and started knocking on doors. Just simply knocking on doors and saying, hey, you know what? We're going to have a food drive. Do you need food? It was incredible. It was incredible to watch the teenagers in those moments as we left the building and we circled around on K Street going, I ain't going up to that room. I ain't going to that house. And they're all fighting back. And so what we do, we just kind of just follow us. Just step up here with us. And they would step up kind of behind. You know how teenagers can be. We'd knock on the door because they just knew they were going to get destroyed by whoever was behind the door. And it didn't take two houses. They were fighting over who was going to knock on the door. To the point that we looked up and there's six kids knocking on the same door. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Now that, that will scare people. That will scare people. So let's... let's But what was it? It was simply coming out of their comfort zone. To the point that several months ago when we went back here into our new neighborhood. 
that we started knocking on doors, and they didn't care. They didn't care. Erica Worth, that's, that, that's part of us here, she's not here today, she said, when I first made this comment about going and knocking on doors, she thought, he's the craziest thing. I should have never come. But it didn't take one time. One time for her to be out to see what we got to do. Because we got to give away. We had somebody come in and donate basketballs, footballs, um, all kinds of scooters, all kinds of stuff. And we just said, here, take it. You want a basketball? Here, take a basketball. And the kids were running with them up and down the road. Even our kids, they were dribbling up and down. And a kid would say, I want a basketball. And they'd say, here, take. It was simple obedience. Stepping out of our comfort zone. And seeing God move in miraculous ways. It's not to give us praise, but it's to see that when you step out in simple obedience, not knowing what's going to happen, and just say, you know what, I'm stepping out to see God work. So often as believers, we say, i got to know what step one, step two, step three, step four is, and then I'll go in and see if that really lines up with who I am. Then back in January, we're standing up here, I'm talking, and I'd already had something on the inside of me. That was absolutely wild to me. You know what? I'm sick of COVID. I'm sick of the church being stuck in her four walls. And saying, you know what? Those people are unclean. Those people, they're the unclean. Put them out in the back pasture. We'll pray for them from our safe spot. The very first night, I just on a Sunday morning said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I just want to go pray. And we ended up in two separate locations. We invaded a neighborhood of some people in our church that had COVID. You know what? We didn't have to get up and in their, in their grill. We didn't have to get up into this, this full-on face-on-face I just knew in the moment that through simple obedience of saying, you know what, I'm sick and tired. I'm ready to be the church that God called us to be. I'm ready to step out of our four walls. We invaded a neighborhood. There was 30 of us on these people's front yard. We covered their front yard. But you know what we got to do? Not only pray for them, but we prayed for the environment around, the neighborhood around. That was incredible. And then we ended up at the hospital. I didn't even know what that looked like. I said, I may be leading y'all on some weird thing. I didn't really expect anybody to show up because it's, it's Sunday night. It's January. It's already dark. You don't want to do this. Almost all of those people showed up at the hospital. And what did we do? We prayed. We walked around. We got to pray with people on the other side over by the ER. We got to stand in agreement. Why? Did we see some revolution happen? Did we see something? No, but a revolution started in us. A revolution started in us of just simply obeying what he said. And then it wasn't two weeks later, I get a phone call from the hospital. And they're saying, I know you were here a couple of weeks ago. And I'm thinking, oh no, what did we do? They're calling to... Tell me to stay off. They said, what we're wanting to do is we're calling as many churches as that will answer to come and adopt a day and pray for us. And my personality is, again, when God said go, I'm going. 
this poor lady is trying to give me all the ins and the outs because she's trying to win me over to say yes. And I'm saying, we're in. We're 100% in. We'll be there every time. You give me what dates. Well, I, you don't understand. No, I, said, I do understand. This is what God already told us to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And we're going to step in. And twice a month. Because she was like, well, just do one once a month. I said, okay, I'll give you once a month. But if you call every other church and you have an open date that nobody will pick, I've got it. We're covering it. He said, well, I don't know. We'll be okay. I said, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, we're in whatever you need covered. Well, okay. Well, do you want to take another day? Yes. Yes, please. So we've been going on the first Monday and the fourth Tuesday. I think that's right. Am I right? Yes. Okay. She always reminds me. Thank you. And we've been able to go and engage. If for no other reason, it's engaged us. Stepping into our community. Because little did I realize that when we decided to meet at 630 in this area, the first time we did it, did I realize that shift change happens right in that same spot. So every time we're there, shift change people are going by. And they're hearing us engaging the supernatural on their behalf. Engaging what God's best is for them on their behalf. And so this year has just been, I'm going wherever, whatever. So a couple weeks ago, I got another phone call. And they said, there's a food truck coming in. They were going to come in on this certain day, but I didn't have time to do it. I said, I'm in. And again, they're trying to tell me the whole story. I'm in. I'm ready for the church to be the church. I'm sick of religion, and I'm sick of denomination. I'm ready for us to be out and to say, we want you to know Jesus as your Savior. Our facility may not meet where you're at, but I can, I can connect you with somebody. And stop fighting over, it's whose people or are. It's God's people. It's God's people. God's called us to be the church. And that takes every believer to line up and be who she's been called to be as the body of Christ. So I said, yes, whatever. So last night I get a phone call. We're coming in from Sherman. And I get a phone call from Walt Spradling. And he says, I've got a food truck coming in on Tuesday. I said, I'm there. He said, we've got 1,152 boxes of food and 1,152 gallons of milk. I said, I'm there. There's four other pastors that he's invited to be a part of this. So I'm making it available to you. I know it's awkward times. It's an awkward hour. It's an awkward day. I would have preferred a Saturday. But you know what? Simple obey. If you can be a part of this, please come and be a part of it. We're going to meet in the, in the Crystal Rock parking lot about 1245. Um, 1,152 boxes of food. That's a lot of food. But it's an awesome opportunity for us. Simply from the standpoint of multiple churches standing together and saying, here, take and eat. I'm excited. My kids don't know it, but they're going to be at there from 1 to 3. I need Nathan's muscle. He's been working out for a reason. So that's one thing we've got coming up. So if you can be a part of that, please come. If you can't, don't take the condemnation. Because I realize it's Tuesday from 1 to 3. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, most of us have a job or somewhere we have to be. But Tuesday, if you can be a part. 
And then I get another conversation going. I know I'm going to overwhelm you. And I'm not asking you to remember all this. But I want you to see something as we go through this. God's moving. The Grace Center. An awesome place that helps awesome people. People, some that want help for the right reasons, and there's some that don't. Just like there's some people in our lives that are there for the right reasons, and some that are not. But we, as the body of Christ, we have, we have people that have been in contact with Grace Center. And right now, they have some needs. And, and some of that is some removing of some cabinets, adding some counter space, some shelving. And what we would like to do is be able to go in and help them. One of the things that they need, or two of the things, actually four, of the things that they need are we would like to get them washer and dryer combo, two sets that are stackable. And as we were talking about earlier, you can get some of the newer stuff, not the apartment size that hold, you know, two rags and a pair of socks, but a real one that are stackable. That gives them room going up versus room going out that they don't have. If you've ever been by the Grace Center, it's not that big. But they're meeting an area in our community that we get to give to. We give to them on a monthly basis. That's part of what your, your tithes and your offerings go to the Grace Center. So you're a part of that. You're a part of that mission field already. But if you want to be a part of this, whether through actual doing some construction, maybe some painting on the inside, um, Pastor Teresa, Brandon, would y'all raise your hands so they say see you. Brittany, you can raise your hand. Um, if you want to be a part of that, come see them. Talk to them. We're going to put a day together um, to go down there. We, don't want to, we can't send 60 of us down there. Uh, for one, the building's too small. Uh, and the clientele that's down there, it would just overwhelm them. But if you would like to give financially to this, um, come see me afterwards. Or if you want to write a check, just write Grace Center on the bottom of it. And we will get that taken care of. But these are areas that we're being able to be a part of. And I know it sounds funny, and my wife can attest this. These have all happened by either personal communication or phone calls. Because I got a phone call. One of my passions since I took over was to change the environments of our schools. I got a season to sit down on the inside when I lived in the right house, in the right neighborhoods, to be on the school board. And it was awesome to see what goes on on the inside. It was horrible because it was during the beginning stages of COVID. But my passion has been, what can we as a church, to our, to our young people, how can we change the culture for our school systems? I got a phone, I got a connect card, auto connect card, and a phone call from the brand new softball head coach at Plainview. And... Ibarra, something, I, 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 I haven't heard him say his full last name yet. But he said, you know, one of the things I like to do is to be able with my softball girls, be able to feed them and let churches come in and love on them the way Jesus loves on them. I'm in. 
Don't tell me anymore. And so he sent me some, some scheduled dates. They're on Wednesday starting in July. And I've got those dates. But we're going to get an opportunity. And I'm going to tell him I don't just want the girls to come. I want their families. Not that we can say, hey, come be a part. But that we can show them Jesus. We want to show them Jesus. We want them to have an encounter with Jesus. So we're going to get two opportunities to feed these young ladies and all their coaching staff. One in July and one in August. Those are coming up. So make plans for those. And again, this happened out of a birth of what 2021 was. The Lord told me at the beginning of the year there were three areas that I felt like the Lord was showing me that he wanted us to go in and just pray over the communities. To have worship time, to pray over them, to be a part, to be engaged. And I went to Miss Leanne. I said, Leanne, these are the areas, these are the cities that I feel like God showed me. I don't have a time frame. I don't know what it looks like. But I know you're connected in some of these cities. So I, this is where we're at. Let's talk about it. And we just started talking about it. She went over to... Grace Place, and was talking with the ladies from Grace Place, and they said, you know what, we've got this passion, it's all of a sudden birthing on the inside of us to take some prayer revival moments of worship and take them into the communities, to take them and engage, and Leanne goes, are you kidding me? That's the same thing, well if we got two separate congregations saying this, we better run, we better go, so starting next Sunday evening, at 6 p.m. at Central Park. We're engaging Ardmore. We're engaging Ardmore with worship. But it's not just us. It's not just Victory Life. It's the church stepping in. And so over the next three months, which dawned on me again, Project 3, the entire birth of Project 3 was a three-month endeavor of doing something solid for at least three months. And this is birth. So this, this next Sunday night at 6 p.m., we're going to meet at Central Park at 6 p.m. And then the third Sunday in May and the third Sunday in June, one will be in Mar Marietta and one will be in Medill. I'm excited about what God's doing, not on just us. It's because of simple obedience that God's going to move first on the inside of us because we got to get wrecked for Jesus we got to have an encounter with the real Jesus ourselves. And through that, the overflow flows into our communities. The overflow. So what I'm asking you now is to be preparing yourself now. Because as a city, when we go in as a, as a group into a city, we engage generational things. We engage religious spirits that have been set up. We engage the unseen in ways. But I'm here to tell you. The unseen that is Jesus is bigger than anything that's the unseen that's the enemy. We're more than conquerors because of what he did. He conquered the world and said, now you're more than a conqueror. But that wasn't good enough for me. We've had a call as a church to step into another city. A little different this time. And there is no condemnation. Hear me again. If you can't do it, I'm not looking down. But tonight, 
Again, I've given you a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not asking you to remember all of it. We're going to post it on our events page. Trust me, we're going to talk about it from the platform. We are going to engage the communities around us to see our cities change. So tonight at 5 p.m., I know that prayer changes things. So tonight at 5, we're going to meet right in front of the city hall, police department, operation center for the city of Lone Grove. And we're going to engage some things. There's been some things go on over the last week or two that just blow my mind. But you know what's been happening? We've been asked, and we will respond. We will respond in a way. Uh, dad, my dad came up to me a while ago and said, you know what? Some of you, you may have seen the police department from the inside. The small room with metal bars. But here we are. You get to see it from the outside. You get to engage the supernatural. We're going to pray over our city. We're going to pray protection over our officers. We're going to pray over all these things. Why? Because it's part of who we are. That's why in the next few weeks, we open the first responders room. We open the space for them to come in and to be able to feel Jesus to get themselves refreshed. So again, tonight, 5 p.m., city of Long Grove. If you go through Long Grove, you'll see it on the left-hand side. We're going to get together, we're going to pray, we're going to stand in agreement that what the enemy's tried to bring for destruction, there's people that have been put in positions to change the spiritual atmosphere of that city and of that police department. But as we close, you go, I haven't spent enough time to go and, and do that. I haven't gone into scripture and know scripture backwards and forwards. Neither have I. Neither are most of us. But what I do know is that through simple obedience of stepping out of something that's difficult, something that's hard, God gives us the ability and the authority as believers to step into environments that are uncomfortable. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. You're equipped. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. You've been given everything that you have need of. When you ask Jesus into your heart, the entire package of who Jesus is moved in on the inside of you. You don't have to ask for more of Jesus. He's there. You're asking for more of a release of his power. Stepping into alignment to know the real Jesus. To know the real Jesus. So if you've got Jesus as your Savior, you have everything that you have need of. You can step in. And engage the supernatural. Because it's stepping in faith. Because we don't see it. That's what faith is. If I see it, it's not faith. Faith is stepping in and saying, you know what? I don't see it, but I'm trusting. So maybe this morning you're standing here. And you're saying, you know what? I don't know Jesus. I don't have that full package. I don't have Jesus on the inside of me. Well, guess what? Today can be your day. 
He's not asking you to live a perfect life. He's asking you to follow Him. And when you follow Him, things will begin to change. Things will begin to fall off. It's in following Him that you see your path. It's in following Him that dry lands become fruitful lands. It's following Him that you see things happen in your life that you've never dreamed could happen in your life. Through simple obedience. So this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's a question that each one of us have throughout our lives. Because why? how do I know that? Because I know the gravitational pull of the Father. The gravitational pull of the Father is to draw all men unto Him. It's that pull on the inside of us that says I'm missing something. It's that pull on the inside of us that says there's more to this life than I realize. There's more here than I know that's here. There's more to my life. There's more to my job. I'm sick of all of the things that I'm feeling that are going wrong. I'm sick of the condemnation that I'm feeling. I just need to know that I'm following the steps of the Father. That's what a disciple is. So this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want to ask you one simple question. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you asked Jesus to move in? If that's you and you say, you know what, this morning I don't have Jesus on the inside of me. As an act of faith, it's engaging the faith on the inside and saying, you know what, that's me. Because when we pray here in a minute, I want to specifically in my mind as we're praying, we're linked up one and one and we're praying together. And we're going to pray as a family. If that's you this morning and you've never asked Jesus as your Savior and today you say, you know what, today's the day. Would you slip up your hand? I want to see it just for a second. Is there anybody in the room this morning? That says, you know what, I need Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Is there anybody in this room? Okay. I see your hand. I see your hand. With every head bowed and every eye still closed. Maybe this morning, there's been a lot of things that have gone on in your life. A lot of things that have happened that have driven you away from the assurance that Jesus is in control. You've done a lot of stupid. You've done a lot of things in your life that you say, you know what? I'm just tired of doing this. I'm tired of, of feeling this way. I just want to know that I'm standing with Jesus and that Jesus is on the inside of me. And this morning you say, you know what? A long time ago I asked Jesus in, but there's a lot of things that have gone on. I just want to stand fresh. I want to know in my mind, in my heart, that Jesus is Lord. That's you this morning. Would you raise your hand up? Where I, can, I see your hands. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else in the room? All right. Praise God. Stand up, saints. This morning, as we pray this prayer together, as we pray this prayer, standing in alignment with what the Father said, I want you to understand something. That when you say yes to Jesus, not only does your new family Say yes, celebrate you, stand in agreement with you. 
But the very presence of God, the angels that are enthroned around the presence of God, they celebrate you. They celebrate the acknowledgement that I'm saying I'm nothing without Jesus. There's a party that goes on in heaven because of you. So this morning, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everybody in the room. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge that you're Lord that you died on a cross, that you rose again, that you ascended to heaven, that you're beside the Father on my behalf. You shed your blood for me. And today, I accept you as my Jesus, as my Lord, as my Savior. Thank you for moving in and being my Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. The angels in heaven celebrate. If that was you this morning and you accepted Christ as your Savior, if you would do me the greatest honor, come up and, and let some of these up here know. There's a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you would just put your name, a phone number, and simply, yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. We've got some stuff that I want to get to you that helps you on this journey, that helps you on this path. Because you're not alone. You're not by yourself. So know that where you go, God is making paths straight for you because you're following Him. So know this. You're fully equipped to do the works of the Father because of Jesus. If you get an opportunity tonight, 5 p.m. City of Long Grove, we're going to engage the supernatural and we're going to see strongholds begin to fall in our county, in our state, and in our nation. Be blessed.